Let me appreciate that song. Amen. And I'm so glad Miss Becky's back with us. Amen. Her mom. That's a blessing. If you have your Bibles, just for a few minutes, I won't preach long. I've always said that, hadn't I? Uh, and I might, I might as well just start the service saying in closing. And I uh, thought about titling my message in closing, but that sounds like this is my last anniversary, so I don't want to have that message unless it's God's will. But I do appreciate the health and strength to be here. And uh, I was thinking about uh, and praying for Miss Linda this morning and University Baptist Church. And I was thinking, you know something? I got health and strength to get up and get to church. I'm going to rejoice in it. And uh, I thank God for this opportunity. And I'm a little, have mixed emotions about this message because um, I really uh, don't want to take a long time, but this is a special time. And so uh, I'm going to try to preach as fast as I can if you'll listen real quick. Now let me just do something else for the glory of God. How many of you in this room has either been saved through the ministry of Whitfield Baptist Church or your a family member has been saved through the ministry of Whitfield Baptist Church? I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. That's a lot of people. And I thank God for it. To God be the glory. Amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 10. I'd like to preach a message entitled, A Caring Church for a Hurting World. A Caring Church for a Hurting World. We've been in a greater vision uh, series, and I'm going to end that and get back into Joshua where I'll feel more comfortable. And it's so good to see some uh, folks come back and visit with us that... Uh, God's led you all to other churches, but you were saved in this church, and you was children in this church, and you came back and visited us. makes my day to see you. But you know, I really believe that when God laid on my heart to begin this church, I never wanted to be a church just by name and just by uh, some kind of uh, uh, demand from my pastor to go out and preach or whatever. I really wanted to be a ministry. And I believe there's a difference in a church and a ministry, and I believe there's a difference in, in what God sees as a church. So we need to get a vision of what God sees, God, what God wants, not what Wayne Cofield wants or anybody else or the, some headquarters or, or some denomination. What does God want in his church? And I believe that there's several pictures of a church in the Bible. Number one, there's the, he pictures the church as bride, a bride. Jesus is the groom, we are the bride. The church is the bride, say amen. And I believe the first privilege we have as a church is we ought to love God, we ought to love Jesus. We ought to love what he did for us at Calvary and what he's doing for us every day. We ought to just love God. And I believe with all my heart, if we could be a church that had the reputation, they love God, I believe it's mission accomplished. And then number two, is it's, it, he compares the church to a body, and Jesus is the head. And so I believe that means a church ought to be one that yields to God. And folks, if your hand's not yielded to your brain, you are a spasmodic, uh, out-of-control body. Amen? But we need to yield to the head, and we need to yield to God, and we need to yield to Jesus, and he gets all the glory when we yield. Amen? Because we're the vine, he is uh, we're the branch, he is the vine, and he's the source of everything. And then third of all, there's a picture in the Bible of a building. Uh, Jesus is the cornerstone. We're the building blocks. And you're either a stumbling stone or a building block. 
And folks, I believe those are three great pictures of the church. But I want to give you something this morning that I've never seen compared to the church. And that is found in Luke chapter 10. And I want to compare the church to a haven. A haven for the hurting. A haven of rest. Um, Connie and I lived in a little um, haven called the Rest Haven Motel. They had a bigger room, and that was our motel room that we lived in as assistant pastor of, of, of Gospel Baptist Temple when it get, went through some tough times. And uh, we lived there. That was our last place we lived there. And, and um, uh, it, was a, it was a haven of rest for us. It wasn't, it wasn't fancy, and it wasn't big, but it was home. And we loved it. We loved our, our place down there serving under Brother Paul and I miss him very much today. He would be the honored preacher if he was alive today. I'd be sitting on that front row listening to my pastor. He died of brain uh, tumor several years back. But I want to stand on the word of God and I'm just going to read these verses and I'm just going to give you my outline because I know y'all be all mad at me if I preach to 1245. I might preach 1230, but I ain't going to preach 1245 because y'all hungry. Y'all look hungry. Y'all came looking hungry. Amen. It says it came to pass... And uh, look, look now, this is Luke chapter uh, 10. That came to pass too, amen. Y'all pray for me. I'm so emotional. I'm really, I'm really beyond myself. Uh, I'm not without words because I got his word. But it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Here we go. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance... There came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, a caring church for a hurting world. And he went to him. That's always been my philosophy of ministry. And he, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he parted, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. It's been emotional. Brought back great memories. But Lord, we just want to thank you for allowing us to pastor these many years in this one place and see how you blessed. And now, Lord, the blessing of my life is to preach. And I thank you, dear God, for the call upon my life to preach. So, Lord, give me power. Help me to get all these things aside. And, God, help me to lift you up and encourage your people. And, Lord, if there's one that's lost, I pray they'll get saved this morning. And we'll thank you and praise you for using this simple message. In Jesus' name, amen. We got the bride, we got the body, we got the building. But I want to tell you the church is a haven. It's a haven of rest. And I believe, folks, it's, it ought to be a place where people feel loved where people feel cared for, where people that are hurting can come and have the oil of his power anointed, anoint them. 
to have them uh, picked up where they're at, maybe in the lowest ditch there is in Dalton, Georgia. And I could tell you about some visits I've had in the 42 years that would scare you to death and you'd never go visit again of things I've seen in homes. But I want to tell you something, friends. Somebody needs to go to them. And I believe a church should be a going church for a coming Lord. But I believe it ought to be a caring church for a hurting world. First of all, I want you to see that the haven of rest or the local church ought to be a place of rescue. Look at verse 30. The Bible says, And Jesus answered, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a very treacherous path, and fell among thieves, and they stripped him of raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I hope and pray that our church never becomes a church on the other side. We're just too good to have a bus ministry. We're too good to um, invite people in that has nothing, has nothing to offer us, but has everything to offer God, and that's their life. Folks, this guy was lacerated, and folks, he was bruised. That reminds me that we were all bruised uh, and, and, and wicked and sinners, and he took our bruising for us. He took our sin debt for us, amen. Isaiah 53, I love these verses. I think it's the greatest way to win a Jew to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 53, and I like uh, verse uh, five and six. I wasn't gonna read that due to time, but praise God, I'm not gonna leave this out. It says in verse five, and that's where you should have said amen, I'm not hungry. But anyway, look at verse five, it says, but we were wounded, he was wounded for our transgressors. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And then listen to this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You gotta get in on that first all, we're all sinners. But you can get out of, uh, get, you can get out of that sin debt because of the second all, he took all your sin. He took all your debt. He paid it all, Amen. He's the author and finisher of this church. I'm his servant. God led me here, and I'm so glad he did. But folks, uh, folks, there's many people out in Dalton that are bruised, and then they're stripped, and they're lifeless. Well, he was half dead, but I want to tell you something. Every lost person is not half dead. They're all the way dead. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.2 that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. And I want to tell you something. A dead man can't help himself. God's got to come to him. And I thank God for a church that comes to him. Then he was lonely. He was left alone. But God took our loneliness. You know, loneliness will eat your lunch. And folks, there's people out in this world in the middle of all the riches of Dalton on Mount Sinai, which I went and knocked on their door and didn't get past one butler and one, and one uh, speaker at a door. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe that whether we're on this side of the track or that side of the track, up on the hill or down in the valley, God still loves everyone, whosoever. And folks, there's a lot of people that are, so the condition of the sinner I see right here. He's in a ditch, he can't help himself. Then I see the callousness of the sanctimonious. Casual indifference. Look at verse 31. And they passed by on the other side. Who did? The priest, the religious. And folks, the priest glanced and passed by. The Levite glanced and he too passed by. It's a pitiful church. It's a pitiful picture of a church that's lost its Christ-like compassion. Folks, may we never 
get settled with our little Sunday school classes and our little auditorium um, uh, gathering and our Wednesday night programs and all that stuff. Thank God for three people saved this past Wednesday. That's a good way to end the 41st year. Amen. Glory to God. That's why we exist. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a lot of people that don't want sinners in their church. They don't want the low class. They don't want the criminal. They don't want the guy that just got out of jail. But we as a church ought to want them because Jesus wants to change their life. And folks, we cannot become sanctimonious. We cannot just go through the motions of, of religion. Religion will kill you. Folks, it's, it's try, man's trying to work their way to heaven instead of heaven coming down to us. And folks, we see uh, no, the callousness of the religion. But then I also see the compassion of the Samaritan. And that's what I want us to be. I want us to continue to be that. And I thank God for your compassion. The Bible says in verse 34, it says, and he went to him. That sums it up, don't it? And I thank God that the Lord came to us when we couldn't come to him. Say amen. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and wine and set him on the, his own beast and brought him to an end. That's where I want to compare the church. To an end and took care of him. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people out there that have no purpose. <clears throat> they have no peace and they definitely don't have any power to get out of the ditch. They're lost. They're injured. I mean, the devil is having a heyday in ruining their life. Folks, I don't know if you know it or not, but the family and the marriage institute is under attack. I preached <clears throat> Thursday night very nervously and, and because I preached to preachers because preachers act like they know everything. But I looked over there and I saw at a table a, a pastor and his wife that had been separated for six months sitting there listening. And he came up to me in tears afterwards and said, Brother Wayne, that's the best message I ever heard on, on marriage in my life. You know why? Because he was desperate to get his marriage back. She walked on by. She wouldn't speak to me. But I want to tell you something, friend. I didn't preach for them. I preached for him. But I want to tell you this, friend. There's an attack on marriages today. And if you don't think you need this place, you've you got another thought coming. Because I'm going to tell you something, the devil's targeting you. If he can get daddy, he can get the family. He can get mama, he can get the family. Folks, listen, if he can get the pastor and his wife, associate pastor and his wife, then there's a lot of people going to go down with us, amen? And that's, a, that's just the way it is. And folks, we're, we're in a warfare, and folks, uh, there's people bound up in their wounds, and, and folks, they're, they're helpless, and what they need is somebody to come alongside and tell them there's hope. And tell them, hey, listen, it's not world's philosophy that's going to get you out of the ditch. God help us. We must be in the last days. We must be in the last days. And we must be in the last days of America when a homosexual can be a leading candidate for the President of the United States of America. And you say, I don't like that. I don't like it either. I don't like him hugging his significant other either. And I want to say this, I want to say it very clear, that's not political, that's biblical. To rebuke that kind of stuff. We live in a day and age where it's men with men and women with women. That is sick, abomination, sin. 
Let me kill our little spirit of anniversary today. Folks, there is a world out there that is in the ditch. <clears throat> Their philosophy is corrupt. This anti-Christ, I don't care what you say about marriage, I'm gonna make my own marriage. I don't care what you say about life, I'll kill my baby in the womb if I want to. And folks, they're in there helpless. And <clears throat> we can ridicule them, we can slap them down, or we can go to them and give them the truth, the oil of the Spirit. And we can let God anoint them. Say amen. I love Psalms 23. The last, <clears throat> Brother Allen's mama, the last funeral. I, I preach so many funerals, I forget who I'm preaching sometimes. I preach a lot of them since I've been in Dalton, a lot. The last funeral I preached, I preached this verse by verse, Psalms 23. But I love that verse where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a world that's starving for significance and security and love and purpose and they're in the ditch. And the sanctimonious church is going to walk by on the other side but what they need is somebody to get off their blessed assurance pew and go out there and love them and pick them up and put them on in your beast, your Chevy, your Ford. I don't know why I started with Chevy. Your Toyota now, praise God. And bring them to the haven of rest. Why? If they join the church? No, that'll just make them religious. I'm talking about meet Jesus and meet the shepherd and have the shepherd come to them and anoint them with oil. See, in the Bible days, there was a shepherd that would have to go to the wayward sheep. And a lot of times, sheep would butt each other. And they would get a cyst on their on their head and that would get so big they couldn't even see and they'd get so bowed down that they couldn't even see and, and that little and that that uh that shepherd would come alongside and pick up that pick up that sheep, pick up that lamb, and take that lamb and put it up to his heart. And that sheep could hear the heartbeat of the shepherd. He could feel the breath of the shepherd on the back of his neck. And then that shepherd would reach back into the back, into his pouch, and take that oil and anoint that little lamb with that oil. And that oil would heal that little sheep. Folks, I want to tell you what the world needs. They don't need another political campaign. We don't need uh, uh, another church to come by and say, we're too good to have you in the pew what we need to do is we need to go to them and pick them up and give them the word and praise God that the sword of the Spirit open up the wound of sin and have the oil of the Holy Ghost anoint their head. Amen. What a picture. The shepherd coming to the little lost lamb. Folks, that's the way we ought to be as a church. We shouldn't be callous. We ought to be compassionate. I once heard a definition of compassion is walking a mile 
in somebody's shoes. I think this is what it's saying. Put yourself in their place. Put yourself in their place. A caring church for a hurting world. But folks, let's don't get so sanctimonious and so spiritual that we just send missionaries across the sea to the hurting world. Let's go to the person that's hurting and one-on-one take them the word and the oil. And so it's a place. Yes, it's a place of rescue. This is a rescue station. Brother Blaine, this is a place where the alarms are sounding everywhere and and, 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 and there's tragedies out there. And people are dying and going to hell. Their families are imploding and, and there's, there's, there's rebellion on every hand and there's no hope and people are looking to uh, same-sex marriages and, and all kinds of ungodliness to try to solve the problem. And we've got the answer. His name is Jesus. Caring church for a hurting world becomes a place of rescue and then it becomes a place of redemption. Look at verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him and whatsoever he spendeth more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Thank God, friend, when a person comes to this church, they'll realize they don't have to pay to get what we got because Jesus has paid it all. Amen? And with his precious blood, He's purchased our soul. It's paid in full. And folks, we ought to be a church of grace. We ought to be a church that preaches, thank you choir, for grace. And we ought to be a church that preaches the cross. We ought to, preach, we ought to be preaching the blood and the death and the burial and the resurrection because it ought to be a place of redemption, thank God, where people are redeemed, bought out of their slavery, bought out of the ditch of sin. I mean, thank God, friend, redeemed. How glad to proclaim it. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. I believe a man that's truly thankful for their salvation, realizing they were beat, Stripped, slipping, or dead in their trespasses and sin. That they realize that I'm redeemed. But I'm not the only one that should be redeemed. I think I'll go down that same road and see if there might be somebody else in that ditch. I think I'll just not ride by like the sanctimonious priest or Levite. I think I'll look low and see if I can sense that there's somebody crying out for the Savior. And I'll bring him the word. And folks, we see it's a place of rescue. It's a place of redemption. But fourth of all, thank God it's a place of responsibility. The Bible says, go and do like that. Look at verse 30. It's 37. It says, and he said, and he that showed mercy on him then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Folks, our church is not a place of religion. It's not a place to resemble the world, rock and roll music. It's not a place of recreation. It's not a place of even relaxation. Some people come to church so they can get in the program of relaxation. Folks, we need to be a church 
has such blessed assurance that we get off our blessed assurance and we go where they are. A caring church for a hurting world. Let me just say real quick, last but not least, it ought to be a place of revelation. And let me use my glorified imagination. I don't have much of one, so let me use what I got. But I can imagine that guy getting up from that motel room. And you know what I would have done if I was that guy? I'd have went down to the clerk, not the jerk, the clerk, and I'd have said, hey, could you tell me a few things about what happened? I was about unconscious. I was just about dead. Um, what did that fellow do for me? And I believe that clerk, representing the pastor, I think he would want to preach to him, Jesus, the Savior. Say, so friend, you were lost. You were on death's row. But Jesus loves you. Jesus came to you. And Jesus cares for you. And then you would say, well, what did he do for me? He saved you. He saved you because he loved you. Well, how did he do it, clerk? And then here's the clerk behind the desk with his King James Bible, praise God, standing on top of it now saying, he did it by sacrificing for you. He did it because he took your place. He got off his mule and he put you on top of it. And he walked while you rode and he brought you in here unconscious, knocked out, dead. And thank God, folks, can be saved because Jesus cares. I want to close real quick by saying this. The innkeeper represents the preacher. But I want to tell you something, the preacher can't do it all. He's got to stay around the inn and he's got to edify those in the rooms and he's got to take care of them. But what he needs is an army. What he needs is a force of laborers. He needs, he needs a family. And thank God I've had one. Co-laborers. Co-soldiers. Not co-baptists. That said, I think I'll go to them. Folks, listen. This whole thing is not about us. His church is about him. He is worthy to be exalted. But the place that we ought to start in exalting Him is He died for you. He loves you. And He can become your Savior if you'll only trust Him. Folks, I want to be a church that's a place of rescue. I want to be a church of a place of redemption. I want to be a church as, as a place of revelation that we make known the Savior. Amen. That we teach the Bible. We preach the Bible. We sing the Bible. Whatever we do, we worship the Lord. And by worshiping the Lord, I'm saying we lift Him up as who He is. He's the Savior of the world. He's Lord of all. And our responsibility is go and do likewise. Let me just speak to the Christian in closing. Our greatest responsibility as a church, our number one goal, our supreme task, our mission statement, Miss Bernella, is to be Christ-like. 
Christ-like. He said, go and do thou likewise. Folks, I want to tell you, the chief end of all men is to be Christ-like, to glorify God. What better glorifies God than you to resemble Christ? And I read this this morning, and I like it so much, and sometimes when I read stuff, I post it, and I shouldn't, but I'm always trying to give other preachers illustrations and helps, and several people have told me I need those things. But A.W. Tozier said that uh, you want to try to mess up a church, just get everybody to try to live up to each other's expectations. He said, when you try to tune 100 pianos, if you tune those pianos to each other, it's going to be a mess. What you need is one tuning fork. And when you get that tuning fork and you get that piano tuned to that, that pitch and tuned to that whatever, uh, it's going to be in tune. And then you do another piano, and then you do another piano, and then you do another piano. And what happens is that they don't try to measure up to the next one. They just measure up to him. And folks, I want to tell you something. The greatest picture of the church is that we ought to be resembling Christ. And this whole parable is about go and do likewise. And folks, I'm not talking about a building and an inn and a haven of rest. I'm talking about get out of the inn, get out of your rest, and go out into this world and be like Jesus to somebody and have compassion that moves you. Well, I'm finished, and it's just shocking that I'm finished. I must be really hungry. But anyway, I want to give you this illustration in closing. Years ago, I heard of a story of a soul winner. The man was an unlettered man, an uneducated man, like a lot of us. He had normal, but not super normal, mental ability. But he had a heart full of love for Jesus. That's what it takes, amen? If you're going to get down the ditch, you better just be full of Jesus. And this, uh, there was, a, there was a, a certain man in town that was very educated. I think he was a professor of the local college. But the soul winner felt a burden to see this man and talk to him about Jesus, and he did. And he called on him one evening. And the man who was very brilliant, very logical, very argumentative, uh, made sport of the soul winner, actually made fun of him and humiliated him and questioned him and debated with him. And he showed a lack of logic in some of his presentations, Soul Winter did, and he contradicted himself a couple of times, and finally the Soul Winter realized that he was way over his head, and he, that he blew it, that he was the wrong man for this job of winning this well-educated, sophisticated professor to the Lord. And he felt that he disgraced the Lord and disgraced Christ, and this man most likely would never be saved, so the soul winner was broken heart, began to weep a little. And he told this man, he said, I'm sorry. I should have never come here. I don't have what it takes to talk with a man like you. I'm sorry. I just, I just loved you. I want to see you saved. That's all. I'm sorry. The soul winner left feeling he had so failed and disgraced his Lord 
And he came home and told his wife, he said, wife, I don't want any supper today, honey. I'm going to my bedroom and pray. I'd like to be left alone. And, and he went in, in humility, feeling that not only was the man lost, but that he had failed the Lord personally. And he sobbed out and he confessed to God and asked God to forgive him for being such an ill-prepared and, and not knowing how to answer this brilliant man's questioning. Well, a knock came on the door several hours later. The man of letter, the, the literate, intelligent professor, was knocking on his door and he asked to see the soul winner. And his wife said, I don't think John wants to see anybody. And the man said, I believe he wants to see me. And John came out and this man said to John, Sir, would you tell me how to be saved? Would you tell me how to be a Christian? The soul winner said, Have you come to make sport of me? To make more fun of me? Are you just jesting? He said, No, I'm serious. I need to be saved and I want to be saved. And the soul winner said, I don't understand. When I was in your house, every argument I gave, you destroyed he said, no, there was one argument you had that I could not answer. He said, what was that? The man said, when you laid a trembling hand on my shoulder and with a tear in your eye, you said that you loved me and you wanted to see me saved. When you left, I couldn't answer that. And what would have man like you leave the home on, the, on a night like this so cold and so stormy go all the way across the city and even humiliate yourself that you might share something that was so real to you and as I thought about that I thought about the meaning and the purpose and the sincerity of your life and I locked I looked into my own life and saw the emptiness and I saw the genuine love that was that as an argument I could not answer. And so I need to be saved. And he knelt in that living room and that young man led him to the Lord. And I'll just say this as right in the middle of this parable, he had compassion. A caring church for a hurting world. My prayer is that this church, if I had one prayer, only one prayer. Only one prayer request for Whitfield Baptist Church. This is it. This is my last message on this earth. This is what I pray. This is what I want you to remember. If I never preach another message, I would want our church, Whitfield Baptist Church, to be filled with the Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, we'll be filled with His love. His compassion. And we'll go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. It hadn't been dynamic or flamboyant, but I pray, dear God, it's been from the heart. And God, my heart for these people is that we would become more like you as a church. That we'd be filled with your spirit and thus filled with compassion. And God, that we'd live up to our little logo, a caring church for a hurting world. God, I want to be known as a church that defends the faith, that stands and stems the tithe against awful iniquity and darkness of this world. 
But God, most important of all, I want us to be known as a caring church for a hurting world. God help us to go and do likewise. All for your glory, we pray. With every head back, every eye closed. You think I'm not going to give an invitation? No, I'm going to give an invitation. Because I don't preach for response, but it sure is a blessing when people do respond to God through preaching. And that's the difference in preaching and teaching. Preaching preaches for response. Application. But how many say, preacher, I know without a doubt, because somebody came to me, somebody knocked on my door, somebody preached a message on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, revival sermon, uh, some service, somewhere, somehow, I heard the gospel. I had a godly grandmama, a godly mother, a godly daddy that took the word of God to me. And I know that I responded by faith and I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I know I'm saved. Did you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? All over this place. How many glad you say, say amen? I didn't say if you join the church, everybody does that. I didn't ask if you was religion. Everybody thinks they're religious enough. Folks, there's no ladder to heaven. There's only a cross. How many say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand that I know for sure I'm saved and I'm kind of down in the ditch. It's depressing down here. It's confusing down here. Hey, it hurts down here in the ditch. I need some help. Well, I'm gonna direct you to that help right now. You'd say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. See, in other words, the only way to get out of the ditch is you gotta realize you're in it that you're lost. Jesus come to you by the way of the word this morning. And he wants to pick you up. And he wants to give you a life worth living. And you'd say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer and then back down? Nobody's looking. Anyone? I didn't ask you if you was a member of this church. I asked you, are you saved? Anyone? Anyone? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Just slip it up and then back down. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. I'm going to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you. How many say, preacher, I'm saved, but I need to be like the Good Samaritan, better yet, what the Good Samaritan was picturing. I need to be like Christ. And I need to go to the ditches. I need to go to people more. I need to be uh, more compassionate, full of God's spirit, full of God's love, and full, uh, full of concern. I want to be a caring church member. I want to be a caring relative. I want to be a caring workmate. I want to be a caring daddy or mama. And I know somebody that's lost, going to hell, trapped in the ditch of selfishness and sin. And I want to help them. And I want you to pray with me and for them that God would use my life as a testimony. Would you slip your hand up? as a commitment that you're going to do all you can this year to try to reach them. God bless you all over this place. Amen. 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 What does it profit a man if he gains all the things of the world and he loses his soul? But what does it profit a man if he gains, uh, has a beautiful house and loses his home? Or has a beautiful uh, income but loses his son or daughter? Let me say, preacher, I know some people that are just miserable. They're not lost but they're backslidden and they got in the ditch with the lost they're bruised they're lacerated 
They're without hope. And I believe they're saved, but they're so far away from God that they're caught in this ditch. And Would you please pray with me for them? And you have somebody on your heart. Would you slip your hand up high on their behalf? God bless you, yes. I got a, I got a nephew that I'm so burdened for. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, dear God, for this wonderful time. Thank you, dear God, for this wonderful church to preach to. It's probably about 8,000 messages I preach from pulpits in this church. God, it's not old. It doesn't get to be a chore. It's a privilege and honor because, Lord, you're the subject. And God, we're a church that wants to be more spirit-filled, more compassionate. So, Lord, help us. God, help us to get out of the pew and go to the ditches of this world. And help us be like the soul winner in the closing illustration. We might not all know what all to say, and we surely ain't no debater, and we're not a theologian, but God, we can tell somebody we love them. And most important of all, we can tell somebody that Jesus loves them. And leave them the message, and leave them the gospel track, and let you work. So Lord, help us. Help us not to fear. Help us, God, not to be selfish. Help us to be a, a going church for a coming Lord, but a caring church for a hurting world is our prayer. In Jesus' name.